Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. We all know the cry room too well at church, the place we don't want to go. But feel we have to because of our situation. As Catholic families, many parts of our life can feel like a virtual cry room. We're stuck and don't know how to get out. Host Joe Holt and John Cox will discuss these current challenges affecting today's families. And provide practical solutions so you are no longer stuck in the cry room. Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. Hey, you're back, Joe. I am back. <laughs> we missed you. You did such a great job last week, by the way, or yeah, like two weeks ago mm-hmm. <laughs> with uh, Colleen and Paul. That was a great interview. I really enjoyed it. So No, they were wonderful. I, I'm getting concerned because that means you can kind of um, do this whole podcast without me. You don't, you don't need me now because you're, you're doing well without me. So I have to do something to just show my worth and value. <laughs> Either that or we should just give Colleen the show yes, because Colleen. she, she was fabulous. I liked her story. Yeah, it was really great. It was entertaining. And, um, I loved how she was just wanting to laugh and have a great time. And Paul was trying to be a little serious. Let's come on. Let's, let's deliver he, this message. He had notes in front of him. Like he, he had the book. He was That's so great he stuff and he was right. It was very interesting. He meant one of the things he mentioned about divine mercy was um on the day of divine mercy like with a plenary indulgence you have to have yeah. certain conditions and one of them is the fact that um you have to have detachment from all sin, all venial sin to receive a plenary indulgence mm-hmm. with the divine mercy yep. i guess devotion i guess you want to call it when you receive communion on the day of divine mercy like you don't have to worry about it so even if you're attached to venial sin you still receive that uh, infinite mercy everything's washed clean um so it's like he said you know you're it's like being baptized all over again with your sins being washed away but also your your temporal punishment being washed away as well yeah so. no i thought it was very uh very interesting very educating yeah. there's a lot of great things that they shared in that podcast and um i i felt like i was in the room with you so there you go <laughs> there you i was go. there in spirit uh but i appreciate you taking the reins and um and helping us out with that episode so Not thank you and in today's episode we really wanted to focus our attention on your parish family and what is that parish family what does that mean uh, i think john will probably provide us some great history on some of that which is fabulous but all this is stemming from some recent conversations that I've had with millennials. I mean, just talking about registration at a church and what does that mean and why we do it. So I thought that would be a great conversation for today that we can really talk to all of you about that same information. So let's go ahead and begin with a prayer. Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all your gifts and for your Son. And we thank you for your son's bride, the church, revealed to us through um, in ministry, revealed to us through other people, revealed to us as the body of Christ and in different parishes. And we thank you for the structure and the hierarchy of the church and your wisdom in guiding us uh, through these difficult times. We ask that we may continue to follow you and to love you and to love your beautiful bride, the church. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. Mm. Okay, so, um, you know, I think many people, first of all, I think we need to define parish. And what is a parish? Do you want to start? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
so uh, this is, and you know, this is an interesting conversation that I have with um, our Christian brothers and sisters. I have a lot of friends who belong to evangelical churches or, you know, other Christian faiths, and um, they d- this this topic of parish is very mm-hmm. foreign to them. Okay. They don't understand. They're like, why do you call yourselves that instead of a church? And um, and I and I explained to them like, yeah, the church is the physical, you know, church and the building to which we go to worship. However, a parish represents beyond the walls of that church. Yeah, a parish is is a lot of it deals with canon law and boundaries. So a parish has a certain boundary uh, area of land, we shall say. So for example, our parish St. Thomas More has certain areas that all the people reside within that area, whether they're Catholic or not, are um, a part of this, I don't want to say a part of this parish, but put it this way, Monsignor is responsible for those people within that area of land. Um, and so with the Catholic Church, a lot of it's about jurisdiction, who has the authority to do what. And so with parishes, it's not just the building itself, but it's the whole area around it. Um, and then you have other parishes, let's say like St. Mary's, um, which is in Littleton, you know, um, they're responsible for everyone in their area, in their physical area as well. So a lot of it's doing with boundaries and, and uh, limits and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And who defines that is the diocese. The diocese. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a committee within the diocese that works with the archbishop in order to define what those boundary lines are. Mm-hmm. And so they, that makes sure, or ensures, I should say, that the entire land of the archdiocese is covered mm-hmm. by a shepherd. Right. And so it was it was neat for me when I fit, when I learned about this years ago, yeah. um, because you know to really look at our pastor as the shepherd, mm-hmm. and he's responsible for the flock of sheep that mm-hmm. are in his pasture, and the right. pasture is represented by the fence line essentially right. of of our boundary, and so it's a responsibility of of a leadership team within a church, within the staff of a church, to really understand what your boundaries are, mm-hmm. what exists in that boundary, who is in that boundary, what struggles exist in that boundary mm-hmm. you know what services are available in that boundary so that you can support all that exists within that entity right. and i think that's beautiful when i say that you know to my our my christian brothers and sisters they they think that's amazing mm-hmm. they're like that's so great like yeah. that makes sense yeah. um and so um you know this this whole understanding and this topic of like membership and 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 why do i need to register because I know that you, um, as a director of catechesis here, religious education at right. the parish, you deal with a lot of sacrament preparation. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. so this topic of are you a parishioner or not a parishioner comes up quite a bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, for all different reasons. Uh, the main reason is because it's a practical, I won't say practical way of knowing if they're a practicing Catholic. Um, because part of being a Catholic and standing is going to Mass regularly or every Sunday. And so the question is, how do we keep track of that? I mean, yes, we, we do ask them, but people lie to us. I'll be honest. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> and, it's... and they say, or, you know, like, well, if I said, do you go to mass regu- regularly for them? That might mean once a year <laughs> or once a month. <laughs> uh, so there has to be a communication there. So at least if they're registered, and even if their envelopes are empty or just somehow keeping track of saying, okay, we, we saw that they put an envelope in the collection basket. We know they're here. 
Um, we know they're coming regularly. That helps. Um, that way we can keep track. That's, that's the primary reason of, of the whole registration process. Also too, just for sacrament records as well, because we have to send records to, you know, when someone receives a sacrament, we've got to send the records to their original parish where they were baptized at. So when we have all that information, it's easy to just send it out there to make sure everything's updated um, and kept track of. But yeah, the main reason for parish registration is just to know, um, you know, that they are coming to the parish here. So that they want to be part of the family. Well, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, now most churches have an option for giving online, right? right? So I can, which Marty and I do, that's how we give. We right. don't put an envelope in the basket, we give online. And right. so it's, I could give online when I'm on vacation. I could give online when I'm, you know, and, at and home. I, and I'll be and happy to take your money when you're on vacation, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I, I think that there's also, uh, you know, as I was having a conversation very recently, um, I mean, there's so many different directions we can go in with this conversation because, um, you know, I, I'm just going to share like a part of my testimony, right? When Marty and I, when we moved here to Colorado, we moved from Iowa. Um, before Iowa, we lived in Illinois. And so when we came out here to Colorado, we, we did not have a family to lean on mm -hmm. for anything, and that was the beauty of the parish. The beauty of the parish is we resided in this area around this church that was willing to provide us services, that was willing to support us, that was willing to listen to us. And when we looked at each other, we said, well, this is, this is our family. I mean, that's what families do. Right. Families lean in and help you when you need it most. They listen to you. But you also have an obligation and a responsibility to utilize the talents and gifts that God gave you to help your family members in a different way. So, you know, if we were going to this church, and and um, and this is part of our discussion, you know, well, if we're going to this church and we're going to receive everything you want to give us, we're going to receive, you know, the Mass, we're going to receive the Eucharist, we're going to receive absolution, you know, in confession. We're going to receive um, education that you want to provide through classes, enrichment for our marriage. We're going to receive all these things. And we also want to give back by donating our time as a volunteer in these capacities because you're giving, um, you know, we're receiving and, and we're also giving. There's this exchange that's taking place within the parish. Why not make a commitment and to tell the parish that you want to, mm -hmm. on your own accord, um, with your own intentions of to belong to what they're offering in that family. You know, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you make the commitment? And so that has been a reason why we've chosen to register. Um, and, you know, and it's great to receive news from the family, you know, through a flock note like we use, right? Mm -hmm. This news from the family about all this great stuff that's like now happening in the family and come and join us for this and do that or come to our comedy night, you know, this next week. These things, that is a part of being in the family. And so, um, so when we talk about like practical. I mean, I would also consider that practical reasoning as well mm -hmm. is, is um, you know, also sharing this with our children as they have grown up. Look, this is your family, you know, because I, this family, our parish has been more supportive of me, mm -hmm. um, our marriage and our family's journey than my biological family has been there. Mm. And, and I think that's different than a lot of other people. I, yeah. I think it's great when biological families are more supportive. Mine just isn't. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because, as you were saying, there's give and take. Yeah. And so with 
one of the things canon law talks a lot about is is rights what we have as gifts and then responsibilities that come with it and most people don't see the connection between the two um you know, most people feel like, and, and, you know, Kenneth Law says, yeah, we cannot deny the sacraments to anyone. Yes, they have a right to their sacraments. That's that's fine. So if a couple comes in, they have a right to baptism for their child. That's true. But we never talk about part the part which talks about responsibilities. And so one of the things we see, and there's, I think, a lot of confusion is it's not just by going to church to get something out of it, but you also have the responsibility to do your duties and responsibilities as well as part of the church. We see the precepts of the church, right? Uh, confession once a year, receiving Eucharist during Easter, stuff like that, um, but also donating to the church. And people get upset when they say that. Oh, well, how dare does the church ask me for money and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, okay, yes, you know, Jesus did in money, he was poor and so on and so forth. But part of that is fulfilling your responsibility of keeping the church and lights on and things like that. Um, you have a responsibility. If you fulfill those responsibilities, then you can uh, claim the right to having a child baptized, claim the right to communion in the sacraments and everything. Or even if you can't donate any money, donate your time or your talent or something or give something. This is very hard for a lot of people in the Catholic Church because in secular society, rights come first and then responsibilities. And actually nowadays <laughs> in the secular society, we even talk about people's responsibilities. It's no. Just, it's just rights. Like, yeah, this is my that's right. True. That's true. And when we separate rights from responsibilities, it just becomes entitlement. Yeah. But people say, I have a right to this, I have a right to this. And they may have that right. It may be very legitimate. But every time we have these rights... We have to ask the question, now that I've been given this right, this privilege, what is my responsibility now? Because it's a gift. And now I have a responsibility to maintain that gift. I have a responsibility to keep that right. But in secular society, rights come first, then responsibilities, if responsibilities at all. <laughs> but many times it's very absent, like it's you said. It's very absent. Yeah, and right. in the Catholic Church, in canon law, it's the opposite. It's responsibilities mm. come first, and then the rights. So this is why when people give us such a hard time, like, well, why do I have to go through all this uh, sacramental prep? Well, why do I have to go through RCA? Why do I need to go through a baptism class? Why do I need to do you know this class for my kids' first communion? The reason is because we want to make sure that you're fulfilling your responsibility because you're going to receive an amazing gift. And if you're not living out your responsibilities, then the seeds that are sown in those sacraments that you're given or that child is given are going to fall on hardened ground and not have an impact on that child. Right. So part of asking people to fulfill the responsibilities first is to till the soil so their hearts become softened. So when they're prepared to receive the sacraments of marriage, it doesn't just fall on hardened ground of their hearts, but it softens their hearts. And so they have all those graces at the sacrament of marriage, at first communion, at confirmation, at baptism, at Holy Eucharist. The more we fulfill our responsibilities, the deeper the impact the sacraments will have on us. And I'll tell you, oftentimes when we kind of just let people go through and receive the sacraments and they're not properly prepared, they haven't been doing responsibilities or fulfilling their duties and just kind of go through it. It's like the seeds being sown on hard ground. You know, mm. it just sits there and nothing happens and people go on with life. So this is why the church it does ask these things to be registered at a parish and things like that and to be involved because it's not just because we like to make rules and keep track of everyone and <laughs> tell everyone what to do. 
Trust me, it's more difficult. It's frankly, it's too difficult it's when difficult. there's thousands of people yeah. that are <laughs> we're not here to babysit. Track. We're not no. here to babysit no. people. Yes, yes. Um, right. But we're here to till the soil. Right. Absolutely. I really like what you said about that. And I think that makes it very easy to understand because you could apply that rights and responsibilities, even in this past year of what we've experienced with the absence of, you know, worshiping together as a family in person, right? right? And the restrictions that have been placed on that. And some people, especially in the state of California, when the government was making it very difficult for people to worship, um, you know, all these people were saying, but we have a right, we have a right to worship. We have a right to worship. But I wonder how many of those people were also considering their responsibility to still worship anyway. Well, I think that's the point. You know, at home. Well, I think those people have been worshiping at home. I think that's why they were demanding that right, because they're saying, I am fulfilling my responsibilities. I am doing the bare minimum of the requirement. And because I'm doing that, I do have a right to go to mass. I think that's why they were saying that. Right. The ones who are not fulfilling their responsibilities probably could have cared less. And I think what's going to happen as we see things open up more, we're going to see that happen. Those who have been living out the responsibilities of living out their faith are going to be the ones returning to the Catholic Church and coming back to Mass regularly. I think also that's the beauty of um, the resources and the support that are offered at a church because, you know, as you well articulated, there are so many people here at our parish staff Mm -hmm. that really our exist and their position exists, their role is there to help you with your responsibilities, to help guide you with your responsibilities. I would say, you know, uh, you know that you're here in your office, right. your staff is here. Right. For those people who are struggling with understanding God in their right. life right. so that they can make that commitment in prayer and intimacy with him to grow in their faith, you're here as a support to be able to help them to understand that and to work through the responsibilities. That's right you know, essentially kind of why you exist, you know, and your role in your department. So I'm, I'm just, there's more than that. I'm the police. I'm the sacrament police. Is that what I'm doing? No, 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 no. You totally missed the mark on that one. You're not policing anything, but you exist. Your role exists. You are here to to be a resource for others and to help them and to support them in their faith. Hopefully to sow the seeds and prepare them to receive Christ in the sacraments. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, I think that's the hard part because each person has different, even though we can set objective standards, part of the pastoral side of things is knowing where people are at and trying to figure out what is it God is, what does God expect of them? Some people it's more, some people it's less and trying to navigate those waters. Um, but at least having some kind of standard because that's how people think. Um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with yeah, this. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> no, uh, no, I, I think you're kind of reiterating what we've been saying, but I, I think what we're trying to say here is becoming a registered parishioner at a church is more than just filling out a paper well, and following a rule or a okay. policy. It, it's, it's not about that. No, it's not. It's beyond that. Well, it's interesting because even in the Old Testament, like the Israelites had to do, uh, they had to do consent, they had to do a census all the time. Right. So even so, that's why I, I remember doing a, a Bible study or doing a little lecture on. I can't remember what it was. It was something like Leviticus or something, and mm-hmm. going through all the names and all the registering. And I'm like, see, even the Old Testament, God had people register themselves. They had to be registered because that's how they knew they were part of the, one of the reasons they were part of the Jewish community, um, keeping track of all that. So um, this whole thing of of being registered is nothing new. 
Right. I, I wonder, you know, for those people who are listening, <clears throat> excuse me, for those people that are listening and, and they're not registered, uh, you know, I, I hope that this provides them a little bit of reflection on why, why not? Like, why not? And were you always a registered parishioner at a church? No, I, and this is, I think the struggle nowadays is, is I didn't register until I had, until I had to have Josh baptized. Um, I think we were, Mandy worked at a church, different church. So I think we were registered there. So, but that didn't happen until I was in my mid to late twenties, only because I've been so transitional, mm. um, from one parish to another. I probably never stayed at the same parish more than a year. So it's hard for uh, young people like in college because they have their home parish to go right. to college. Right. Canonically speaking, they're st- still part of the home parish, but they're not going there. And then, um, you know, they graduate college, find a place to live, and then maybe move three or four times early on in their life trying to settle down. So I think that's one of the struggles I think the church faces with canon law is like, how do we help these young people um, receive the sacraments, prepare them, and do whatever we can do, knowing that their life is so transitory. Right. And even in even those years after college, as they're getting into their professional careers mm-hmm. and they're trying to find their home, they might be bouncing around a little bit. Uh, I know that for us specifically, yes, during college, we were not registered mm-hmm. anywhere. But once we graduated and uh, we moved here to Colorado, um, that we, um, you know, immediately actually registered at a local parish yeah. out here in Littleton. And, and I wouldn't have done it on my own. So I have to give Marty complete credit for that one. That's just the way he was raised. He's like, that's just what you do. Yeah. Now, did he really connect this whole like rights and responsibilities and giving and receiving? I, yeah. I don't think so. Um, he was doing it just out of habit and right. and what he was taught from his parents. And I'm thankful for that, yeah. for sure. And I think there are many individuals out there whose parents don't instruct them in those ways, mm-hmm. um, who maybe whose parents also are confused on the whole topic and idea. Because I've had, when I was assisting with baptism here, there were many times when I had people that came up to me and said, you can't force me to register because, you know, canon law says that you don't do that. And, and, and I always felt like they were coming to pick a fight. Yeah. <laughs> they were passive aggressive and that means- It's like, like, you can't deny me the sacraments. Yeah, and, and the reality is, no, we can't deny you the sacraments. No. But at the same time, again, we can ask you to fulfill your responsibilities. And if we yeah. say one of your responsibilities yeah. is to register, then yes. You know, I mean, you know, in a family, we can make the parallel to families, right? Like your kids have responsibilities. Yeah. You've talked about like how great you and Mandy have affirmed them with the responsibilities that they have to the family in the house. Mm-hmm. We have not done as well of a job as you have. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you credit right now. Sure, I'll take um, it. <laughs> but you know, so they understand that they have a responsibility right. in the family. If they want their rewards. If, if Josh wants to go driving. If he wants the right to drive that car, yeah. he's going to fulfill his responsibility of like. driver's ed. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just, it's just, uh, to me, it's just kind of common sense. But even in the family, like if he wants yeah. the right to use your car, he better have the responsibility that he did his chores to get him done, right? Yeah. Like I would imagine you- And pay for his car insurance. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which just doubled. Ex- God, that's not even, I can't even believe how expensive that stuff is now. That's another conversation. Let's not hit the tangent. Uh, but it, it, it's the same thing. 
And and when we look at our parish, we look at, you know, this this place that you have been going to to worship, to receive the Eucharist, to receive the sacraments. Um, you know, I hope that you're doing more than just coming in on Sunday and leaving. I hope that you see that that place you're going to is an extension of your family. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a body of people um, who are your brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, and you have a responsibility to also assist them and to provide for them with what God has given you. You know, that's why we have time and talent fairs and like, how can you volunteer for this ministry? You know, see, I'll, I'll be honest with those things. I feel like when people are sitting in the pews and hear that, I feel like they're just being used. That's what they think. I'm sure. I know. But, and then that's the hard part. So right. I think there has to be a different approach to all of this. Right. Um, and I think this is where things like Christ renews his parish or welcome help or, um, I, you know, doing me doing Exodus 90 or, or Knights of Columbus. Like if you find a good group of men or women, that you can fit into, I think you, your perspective begins to change. It's not just something to check off the list. I think that's the hard part is, like everything else, our faith life has become one giant checklist. Right. Went to mass, check. Donated, check. Um, spent, you know, did the requirements for sacramental prep, check. <laughs> and that's the hard part is that's how we think and act in our culture and society. Life has become one giant checklist. And that's why I think so many people are frustrated and agitated when in reality is that they're, they can't see the opportunity to encounter Christ himself by doing these things. Right. And, and, and that's the, that's the struggle. And so we, in order for any of this to change, we have to figure out how to change the parish and church culture and getting a different dynamic in perspective of being able to say, this isn't a checklist. Like every time I do, every time Mandy does it, asks me to do something, if I treat her like a checklist, I get smacked Oh my gosh, the head. I would sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's happened. It's uh, happened. It's happened. And there have been times, there have been times in my, in our marriage that I have treated it like a checklist and I will be the first to admit that. Yeah. And that's when it is horrible. Yeah. And that's when it's not going well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But she, uh, like Saturday morning, okay, honey, what do you want me to do today? Let's go checklist. And she smacks me and yells at me and whatever. Um, oh. She's like, figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, it, and the same with your kids. If right. you just treat them as a checklist, right. you know, get them here, do that. And you don't have a relationship with them. Right. Exactly. I, you're, you're missing. So if that attitude is yeah. at home, if that attitude is with those who are close to us, well, yeah, that's going to come into the church and vice versa. So I think the first step is having a whole different attitude of, the church, and, and and this is the hard part. I think most people see the church and parish and any of this in a very practical, pragmatic perspective. Yeah. They don't see the beauty and the transcendent understanding and the theology of what the church means, which would be another <laughs> podcast. But there's a whole beauty. There's a whole transcendent quality. I mean, this is the bride of Christ. This is Christ's spouse. So it's funny because a lot of people say, well, I love Jesus Christ, but I don't like his church. Well, that's like me, my kids saying, well, I love dad, but I don't like mom. Mom's a nag, but dad is awesome (laughs) because he lets me do whatever I want. No. And if that happens in our family, what do we do? Mom and I get together, me Mm -hmm. and my spouse, my wife get together. We have a conversation because we see the kids are playing against each other or are playing us against each other. And we're on the same page. Well, the same is true. So many people try to separate the church from their spiritual life or from Jesus or from God as if we're kids trying to separate our parents from each other. And when that happens, it never goes well. You always lose. So 
yes, the church is imperfect. It has its faults. I mean, trust me, you and I have been here for many years and I'm sure we have plenty of stories, but that doesn't mean that Christ can't work through that. I mean, if Christ can work through me, if Christ can work through my wife, actually better than Christ works through me in communicating to my children, despite her brokenness and sinfulness, then yes, I can believe Christ can work through this church with sinners. So Absolutely. Well, thank you, John, for all your wisdom, and thank you to all of you uh, for listening to this episode. Uh, especially want to thank all those devoted listeners that we've had. Um, we hope that you will listen once again in two weeks with our next episode, but also in the in-between time, you know, please just get on to your podcast platform and not only rate us, but provide some comments just so others can more easily find us and what we're trying to do for the church. So thank you all and have a blessed week. Thank mm-hmm. you.